0: Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. If you're a, a guest, we're uh, very glad to have you with us this morning. We, uh, we primarily uh, in our preaching uh, walk through books of the Bible. So currently we are in the Gospel of John. There's three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that uh, concern themselves with the life of Christ. And uh, we're looking at the gospel of john which john tells us was written so that we might believe and that we might have eternal life and so uh john's gospel is one uh to to encourage our faith to bring us to faith and uh it is uh, an amazing uh book of the bible that we uh, we are enjoying learning from uh, we'll be reading verse 22 Uh, through 36 so john chapter 3 verses 22 through 36 after this jesus and his disciples went into the judean countryside and he remained there with them and was baptizing john also was baptizing at anon near salem because water was plentiful there And people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For for whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Let's pray once more. God, what we have not give us, what we know not teach us, and what we are not, make us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So here's the situation, okay? We have two faithful ministries. John's ministry uh, and his disciples, we have Jesus' ministry and his disciples, and they're essentially about the same thing, right? Spreading the kingdom of God, preaching a message of repentance and turning back to God uh, for the people of Israel and John was baptizing in anon uh, and I got to I got to point this out as a Baptist pastor he was uh, there's a reason he was baptizing there because there was much water okay you get that score one for the Baptist and the mode of baptism of immersion If you're sprinkling, you just need a canteen. If you're uh, immersing people, you need much water. That's a side note, and we'll move on. And a discussion arises. A Jew sparks a discussion with John's disciples. Now remember, we've got two Johns here. We've got John, the writer of the Gospel. Uh, Then we have John that that we're talking about here, which is John... The Then uh, a Jew sparks a discussion with John's disciples, likely about baptism, very likely by their response, probably trying to compare the two baptisms, saying, hey, you, y'all baptized, Jesus is over here baptizing, so where should I get baptized? Like, what's this about? Uh, who's the better baptism? And so here's what, ha- here's what happens next. We see uh, that his disciples, after this discussion with this Jew, come to John in in verse 26 it says and they came to John and said to him rabbi he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness look he is baptizing and all are going to him so his men are they're upset his disciples are upset right because hey we had this great ministry going and now and and it's interesting when when you're offended as John's disciples are offended they're, they're bothered by the fact that their, their rabbi is having people peeled off from him going to Jesus. They're, they're upset. And when you're upset, you tend to generalize and overstate things. And so they say, all are going to him. We know that's not true because it says right here that, that John is baptizing. So we know that not everyone has left John and, and many are still coming to John. But, but it was undeniable. It was undeniable that John, to John's disciples and probably to others that John's ministry was, being, was beginning to be eclipsed by Jesus' ministry. They're saying, John, you bore witness to this guy. You're the guy that announced him and now he's taken over. They're all going to him. we often, all of us, will, will, we all will deal with being eclipsed in ministry. Make no mistake, we're all going to be eclipsed one day, right? Um, it may be as with, uh, with John here, it might be a new and better ministry that comes along. And this is essentially what happened to John. It's, it's the difficult, right, to compete with the Son of God, right? It doesn't matter how much, many preaching books you read or how many leadership books you read, you're not going to hang with the Son of God when it comes to doing ministry. And so for John, it was an issue of a, a truly, and, and John would admit, readily admit, that it was a better ministry than his because it was the ministry of the Son of God. But it may simply be an eclipse, eclipsing of one generation to another. Most often in a church, we see an eclipsing happening just through the natural progression of the generations, right? I've been here uh, um, short of a couple of decades, and I hope to be here for more decades, but I feel like I got years left in me. But make no mistake, the ministry of Adam Thomas will be eclipsed one day. There will be a sunset to my ministry, and there will be a dawning of a of another ministry, hopefully a, a, a man much better than me and, and a more faithful gospel preacher than me. I I want that. And if we don't handle that eclipsing well, if we if we don't do, if we don't handle it with humility as John handles it, man, we'll discourage the next generation, will we not? If we refuse to let go, if we refuse to in our humility say it is your moment there may not be anybody left to leave the church too right it's vital how we handle being eclipsed is vital to the long-term success of the church and the kingdom at large and i think john the baptist here paints an amazing picture of how to handle being eclipsed john the john the baptist in his flesh and like every like in his flesh, he could have said, hey, "This is crazy." Like I was out eating locusts and honey and in camel's hair. Everybody thought I was crazy, and then everybody heard my preaching. They responded to it. They all flocked to it. Uh, I was getting religious leaders coming out to see what I was about because of the the whole region was coming out to hear me. And just at the moment in my ministry, after after being the crazy guy in the wilderness takes off all of a sudden my people are disappearing and they're following jesus in his flesh he could have responded very differently than we see him respond but instead of angry anger and disappointment he responds with joyful humility John teaches us here that God is glorified when we serve Him with a joyful humility. That's what God desires from us, and we see here in the life of John. The first thing we want to notice is that when we embrace the sovereignty of God, we will have joyful humility. Look what it says in verse 27. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. John is saying the underlying philosophy of his life here is simply acknowledging the sovereignty of God over life. He is saying, I don't control the crowds, guys. I don't control that. I control my faithfulness. Of course, with the strength that God provides me for my faithfulness, but my my ministry is to be faithful, to preach the gospel, faithfully to to call people to repentance but i don't control the crowds i don't control where they go and he's saying true ministry success okay not just speaking of numbers but true ministry success always comes from god it's this guy he's essentially saying god it's god's business not my business My business is to preach until I can't preach anymore. And God controls the rest. John's acknowledging this. He gave me this distinct, God gave me this distinct privilege of preparing the way for His Son. But now that the Son is here, my ministry is in sunset. And His ministry is on the rise. It's not that John was being unfaithful. It's not as if John suddenly got lazy. It's not as if John suddenly lost his edge in his preaching. He had done a great work for God and he continues a great work of God, but the decrease of his ministry is to make room for the growing influence of Jesus' ministry. If he does not exit, right, as the one who is to prepare the way for Christ, if he does not exit... He hasn't done his job, right? If he stays and he's saying, hey, look at me, look at me, look over here, look at John, remember me. Like if he keeps doing that, he's doing a terrible job of preparing the way. His job was to prepare and then get out of the way. I've always admired American missionaries that... uh, I know of many that they go to a country and uh, they go and they bring a a gospel, the gospel to the country, to the area that they're ministering. They disciple men and women in the faith. And then eventually, what do they do? They get out. I think about John David Smith in Cape Verde. I think about David Dixon in Puerto Rico. I think about uh, Richard Robinson in Nicaragua. You go and you do the work, and and then you you know that hey, it needs to be the natives that take this work over. It's, I'm not here to be king for the rest of my life. I'm here to be a gospel preacher and a, and a discipler of men and women, and to get them ready, and then to leave this ministry to them. I've always thought it would be so uh, rewarding to be someone who can start a ministry in a country and and then go on to something else and then just be able to see that ministry flourish and that's that's what john the baptist is essentially saying it's his pleasure this is what god has ordained for me is to get things going and then leave it with one who can do the much better job than me what is happening in john's ministry here is not the failure his followers think it's a failure. It's actually his absolute 100% success in what he was called to do. Sovereignly by, God, by God's hand to, to get the crowds and then turn those crowds towards Jesus. Our calling from God is faithfulness to be where God has placed us work diligently there and to trust him in his sovereignty to bring whatever fruits from our work that he pleases to bring whatever ministry success however big or small that he grants us is his wonderful gift and a privilege to us to say through the mighty sovereign hand of God he's given me this ministry he's given me this opportunity what a great wonderful privilege that is and it's It is from God. It's not, isn't isn't it actually feel good to know that the success of our ministry is not based upon how good we are at at ministry or how good we are at presenting the gospel or how good we are, and and we should strive to be good at those things. But that's not what the success is based on. It's based on, as John says here, it's given by God. And God gave me a great season of ministry and now God's given that ministry to Jesus and he's happy about it. Second, when we embrace our purpose of bringing glory to someone else, we will have joyful humility. We see in verse 28 that John understood what his purpose was. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before Him. John is saying, how do you not get this? You guys can be my witness that I've always said, it's, what I'm here to do is to prepare the way for Him. Like you could go back and look at my teaching. You guys aren't, haven't seen it, but I've, I've, I've done it. I've taught you this, that it is about Jesus. I'm not the Christ. I've never claimed to be the Christ. I've been sent to point to the Christ who's over there. And then he gives this beautiful illustration of of, of what his life is about and and what his life is like. He says this in verse 29. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. The friend of the groom, or, or best man, if you will, it was a lot more going on to that role uh, in this day than in ours. I mean, in our day, it's, you know, make sure you don't lose the ring, make sure you're able to pull it out, uh, and maybe say a few words at, uh, at the reception. And in, in this day, the, the, the friend, the best man of the groom, was one who was to make sure that the wedding day went off without a hitch, that it, to make sure that the wedding day remained about the groom and the bride. Um, I think about uh, my wife had some friends like this um, on her wedding day. She wanted to wear tennis shoes. She wanted to wear tennis shoes with her. She had these beautiful white laced up tennis shoes, and that's what she wanted to wear. Now, some people felt like she needed to wear something more fancy. And so they had bought her some fancy shoes, and you need to wear these fancy shoes and not those tennis shoes. My wife's friends, having heard that she was being pressured into wearing shoes she didn't want to wear, they snuck into the bridal chamber. It was Jill Atterbury and, a, and a friend of, uh, another friend of Crystal's. They stuck into the bridal chamber. They stole the fancy shoes to remove all pressure. I don't know, how. I imagine it as Mission Impossible Jill, you know, rappelling out of the rafters, grabbing the fancy shoes and, and being on her way. But that's, that's what a friend of the bride or groom does. It Whatever needs to be done, I'll steal the shoes to make sure the bride or groom has the day that they are to have and John says that's my pleasure. In this in this day and time it wasn't even just about making sure the the wedding ceremony went out without went off without a hitch. You also were in charge of making sure the wedding night happened as it was supposed to happen. Seriously. The the, the, the groom's friend would be one who would sit outside the door of the honeymoon suite and make sure no one goes into that room but the right man, his friend. If he heard another voice coming, if he saw another man coming, he would take him down. But as John says here, When the groom hears his friend's voice and he rejoices as his friend comes to his bride, it is his pleasure to move out of the way and to open the door and to let the true lover in. What a beautiful picture. John says, guys, that's what my life is like. My life is is about being second. My life is about being behind the scenes. My life is about connecting people to the true lover. And now that that's happening, guys, you have no idea because you think I'm going to be upset and angry. It is my greatest joy to bring about the union of the great lover, Jesus, the Son of God, to his people. That's my joy. John is saying that that his joy is complete. That his life was never about being the man. It was about pointing to the man. Can I tell you this morning that just as John had his purpose, everyone here has their purpose. And your purpose is not to make a great name for yourself. Your purpose is. Is to make Christ known. As a church, our uh, stated vision is, is uh, that we make God known by loving God, by loving others and making disciples. We get that from a couple of places. We get that from the great commandment. When Jesus is asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment? He says, I can't narrow it down to one. I'll narrow it down to two. Love God with your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself so love god love others he says hey everything that i've told you is summed up in those two things and then uh, upon uh, right before his ascension he leaves us the great commission and says hey go and make disciples of all nations. That's what the church is to be about. And so we, we combine those as a church and say, our purpose, every one of our individual purposes as members of Wyatt Baptist Church and as members of the kingdom of God is this, is to love God, love others, and make disciples. Now each, how each one of us goes about filling that purpose is going to look different. Some will be on the stage. Others will be changing diapers. A great, great need we have right now. Being off the stage taking care of children. We're in need of people serving in that way. Some will boldly knock on doors. Others will quietly mentor at-risk kids and show them Christ. Others will simply minister to co-workers. Some will board planes to go overseas, others will provide scholarships, some will feed the hungry at Salvation Army, others will feed their children chicken nuggets at home quietly and beyond any of our eyes, caring for their children and discipling their children, being faithful to love their children and to love God and loving their children. No matter how we go about fulfilling our purpose, no matter if it's in the spotlight, no matter if it's a ministry that's on the rise or on the decrease, it is, should be our joy...